Welcome to episode 719 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 719 of I Am Talk. Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Hulls, we're back in the studios. Yep, you're not going to get my bloody crappy Skype connection no, going on. It's we're sounding crystal clear. And i got another, I got another digger out for you, John. Another digger? See, can you see it right there? I can't, I've got oh, to reach over, I can't quite. Yeah, another house has been built just down the road, so we've got more diggers coming in, John. It's all, it's all going again in my neighbourhood. It is indeed. I Talk is proudly brought to you by... Our fantastic patrons. You go first, Jonbo. Phil, the rich uncle Scott. Oh, nice. That's a good one, because my uncle's... My poor uncle, Phil Scott. <laughs> That's gold. Uh, Grant Skeletor Baxter. Was it uh, Castle Grayskull? And Castle... Uh, Masters of the, the Universe. universe. I, oh, my God. I love that. Apparently, they're making a new movie. I'm <laughs> sure it'll be shit. Oh, <laughs> the, admittedly, the one with Dolph Lundgren wasn't that great, but when I was a kid, Masters... Oh, great figurines. And Ben Mystery Walton. If you want to waste some time on Netflix, John, mm-hmm. um, Toys That Made Us. Have you watched any of those? Uh, don't think so. They're no. actually pretty good. So they tell you the history of all the different toys. Like what were the toys that you were into? Um, Transformers. Oh, yeah. They have a great one in Transformers. They have one on the wrestling figures and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. And it's re- often the story behind the business behind them is really quite fascinating. So mm-hmm. you can check that out. Uh, this week's show, what have we got? We've got some news. Not much, but a little bit of news. Well, we've got a big piece of news, but mm-hmm. not much news. Uh, hot Topic of the Week, Coach's Corner, John's History Lesson, Wanger of the Week, and then a couple of questions and answers. Then. Well, it has been quite time for news because there's been no racing, but we've probably had the biggest piece of news in Ironman and probably this last 10 years, really. Well, it had been sort of trickling away in the background as to whether this was going to happen or not. Uh, so Kona, if you haven't already heard, has been postponed to February. So it normally takes place sort of mid-October. And next year, they're going to run it in February, all going to plan. And then they're going to rerun the next year's edition in October. So two Kona's in one year. Lots to think about. And the other big piece of news is the 70.3 Worlds, which were due to be held in Tōpō in New Zealand. Tōpō. Has been postponed, postponed to an unknown date. So here's a question for you, John, and this is totally un- unrelated to this. Mm-hmm. Borders are between US and New Zealand before October, which is highly unlikely. Mm-hmm. Do you and I just go home and holiday and go? Good, we've still got our tickets. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because like, because right now what's happening, team, is that I'm sure you guys will know this, but with travel, you basically the closer you get, then they kind of pull your flight and they say, look, you got a credit moving forward. Um, but if, if the borders were to open, which is highly unlikely before October. I've got an even better idea. Here we go. A camp. No, <laughs> true. John, John's always thinking no, camp. No, you don't come. Oh, where's the love? Belinda chops off over here and oh, borrows, like your pa- borrows your passport. Yeah, she looks like me. We can yeah. make that work. Yeah. I'm sure she'd be quite willing to chop off her here. Yeah, so we get an October holiday. Here That's great. Or, or we just leave the girls at home, boy, the boys on an October sure. holiday. Yeah. Here we go. We can say, look, we're gonna, we can buy some stuff for you. I know. You need some electronics, we'll get them for you. We'll go to Victoria's Secret when we've got a oh, over we'll, and um We'll get you some Victoria's Hulu. Secret. <laughs> yeah. you, do you think they'll trust us with buying their Victoria's Secrets? I've had to do FaceTime calls from Victoria's oh, Secret. Oh, yeah, but that's because she's made. Right. But what about surprise? She wouldn't trust it, basically. No. 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 
too much <laughs> there's a line we can too much size later. checking while you're in store is not good oh okay so the big news is okay so let's let's look at some of the implications of this so one thing is it's good for people in our part of the world oh it's fantastic for kiwis uh, if you've qualified because and cam brown put a post on this on facebook the other day he said i'm always you know for as long as he's been doing ironman he's always in his best shape come sort of ironman new zealand time yeah because we've had the whole new zealand summer it's the end of our season and you've got racing under your belt and you're good to go uh so for kiwis and aussies fantastic um because you're in better shape for european athletes obviously the complete opposite uh which is why, why the race actually ended up changing from February to October, which we'll talk about later in the show um, when it did change back in the 80s. So great for Kiwis. Yeah, yeah. And given that Kiwis, who qualified in March this year, now they've got a year and a half to plan their, not a year and a half, sorry, I don't know, 10 months, 8 but, months, well, They've months? just got summer to train. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they've got, you know, like I, I've spoken often about this, but when I did Kona, it was middle of winter, man, and, we're getting, mm. and it was a hard winter too. We got smashed, and then you training for a race, you know, we, it was thirty five degrees. I know, yeah. so good for us, not so good for everybody else. Um, interesting if, to see what happens with Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, because whilst we do, we do Kona, our winter, whilst we haven't said it's bad, you can train through the winter. Yeah. Um, whereas Northern, a lot of Northern Hemisphere athletes um, can't train; they're in, indoors one hundred percent or very close to it. So I'll be interested to see. A, how many will take it up, and as in, now we're speaking age groupers because all the pros are going to turn up. Yep, but B, there's no qualifying rate or very few qualifying rates. We might see some later in the season, but how many actually take it up? So I still have this the suspicion that it's going to end up being more of a pro race with uh, a load of legacy athletes because I don't know. Although if you're a European athlete, and it might be opportunity. You know, because let's be honest, that it's a golden ticket that not many people get the yeah. opportunity to do, and so a lot of people would. I haven't got that legacy kind of pipeline in front of them. Yeah, so, so if you finish 10th in your age group somewhere, normally you've probably got no chance, but a lot of people might go, oh, bugger, I'm not going. So we could see some awesome roll downs, which again, would be kind of cool. It'll be interesting so, post-race when you get someone like a Russell Cox or like a Thorsten to do the statistics because on the average age group speed that race, mm. you know, because if there's a lot of legacy and there's a lot of kind of qualifying, which maybe wouldn't have been at the standard of normal, mm. it be interesting where to see this year sits in comparison to other in age group racing. So always take the positive, plenty of opportunities there. Um, as far as the pros go, I think it's going to make for a really interesting season because it's going to mean, firstly, you've got a peak in February and October, which is that's not that big a deal because we see a lot of athletes doing that. They might come down and race in New Zealand or race in Australia or do a really super early season race somewhere and then peak again in October. But the challenge they've got is they're going to have to do almost a triple peak um, because you have to you'll race in February and then you've got to qualify again unless you finish in the top three. You've got to re-qualify again yeah. somewhere during the season, and then you've got to race again, peak again in October. So it makes it really challenging. Again, there's opportunities there, but it means you're going to have to race three times in one year. Well, what's year. interesting is, is will qualification – here's an interesting question. It'll be interesting to see how they do qualifications for pros after the fact, but will qualification for both races start early? So like, let's say post-October this year – do, does qualification start for February and that's the only race you can qualify? Mm. Or do they say you can choose either October next year or February? I think they I hope they come up with some sort of practical solution. Yeah. Like it might be, say you do the, the Ironman in February and you finish in the top 20, that qualifies you for, for, for October or something, or at least something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because we do want to make sure that the... Because I was thinking... 
it's going to hurt the mid-year races, the the Germanys, all mm. those big big races. Because if you're trying to peak, you know, to peak at Germany's a big effort. Yeah. And then to be in Kona, but if you'd done you like beginning of the year, because have they actually set the date for it? Fe- um, there is a date in February. I haven't put it down. Okay. But so February. February, so February, June, October. It's, it's three peaks. Yeah. yeah. No one's going to do all three. Yeah. Or perform at all three. Somebody like. Um, Fredino. Fredino, probably more Daniela Reef. Something like that could possibly do it. Yep. But for everybody else, probably not going to happen. Yeah, geez. So it could be really interesting. Um, the other thing that I did note was the weather is marginally cooler in February. So it's not going to be cold, but in Kona, the average temperature in February is 27 degrees Celsius versus 30 in October. Yeah, three degrees, not that much difference. That can make a significant difference on the run. Probably not so much on the bike. But those three or four degrees on the run, uh, we've seen it when they've had hot years with no cloud cover. Uh, the run times are quite significantly slower. Now with this, the, there's a higher chance of the extreme day in October as well, isn't there? Uh, in terms of the winds, I'm not quite sure. Or no, even just like a really hot day. A really hot day. Yeah, yeah. you know, like, like a 35, 36 kind of mm. day. It's, it's more likely to happen in October than it is in February. Uh, Th- those temperatures are Kona temperatures. It's way, way hotter than that when you're out on the Queen K and uh, the sun's beating down. So, so then the next question is, do you think this will happen? February? Who knows? I mean, there's lots of people saying, oh, it still probably won't happen, but uh, I'm just going to say... Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I def- yeah, I think it... I, I, I'm, because it's sure hard it to see when qualifying races are going to start. Yeah, but I think they've probably got it just about enough anyway, because enough people have qualified um, to, to get a reasonable and size it, field. And there's a way they can make it. Like, even if there's, let's say there's no qualifying races, but they're still going to have the race in February. Might have 15, be, they'll find a way to pick the pros. And they, and they, and they might only have 1,500 people as opposed to 2,500. And then they might have 100 pros. Um, and with the, on the pros side of things, it's, you know, you need to. We go two two week quarantine. Well, that sucks. But if you're a pro, you go over in December. You do the Challenge Daytona in December, and then you stay there for the couple of months, and then you head over to Kona and do a bit of a camp. So, I think for pros, it should be okay. Okay, so it's interesting times. And then with the seventy point three, at this stage, it is postponed. They haven't put a date on it. It looks like it will be on Topo again. Who knows? I can't see where it's going to fit in the calendar, to be honest, because um, if they did something similar to this and said January, February time, well, then it's competing with Kona, so that's not going to work. You can't go really any later than mid-March, and if you've got athletes racing Kona in February, are they going to want to turn around a couple of weeks later? And so then do are a you saying that we may have a year without? Well, a year without, or everything, everything gets pushed back a year, or Taupo just gets cut and there's no 70.3 worlds. Don't know. Who knows? Uncertain times, Bevan. No, I hope it doesn't because it would be good for Taupo to you know, have a race of this magnitude in our, in our region. Mm. Okay, John, we do have some kind of online bike racing happening over the weekend with the Ruby ones with the Ironman, and it looks like it was, was, was where was this? What was the focus? So they, they did a, tur- it was a bit different this weekend, and I, and I didn't watch it, um, but I just skimmed through it very quickly. So apologies if I get any details wrong here. But what I did notice, so it was on a 20k race on the Super Seal sprint distance bike course in the States and they had two days which they've done consistently um, Saturday Sunday and what they did on each day they had two males and two females sort of going head to head but then they also had it as two individual races so you did a 20k rest and then you do another 20k and they were they were trying different um, gimmicky things to, to make it more interesting they had a handicap start for the females so they got a three minute head start they had some um, they have some sort of sprint 
areas. Um, I'm not sure if what was on the line other than pride were those, if there was any money there. And then I think they mixed it up a bit again on the on lap two. I do like, Ruby looks really, really cool. And I have done a few rides on there. I do like the, the realistic nature of it when you're actually riding on a real lot road. What um, do you so mean? So Ruby is film? Film, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and so if you haven't tried it and you're looking for something a bit different, um, there's a free trial on there. Get on there and try one of these Ironman virtual races and, and go and do a couple of the other rides because it is quite different to Zwift and uh, and you do get to go sort of head-to-head and compare yourself against the pros. What, what I haven't seen, which I, which is surprising in retrospect, like I was just thinking about Mike Phillips winning last week, it's amazing no like pro cyclists turn up and beat them, because anyone can enter it, can't they? Um, yeah, I guess they possibly can, they 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 have been starting, oh no, they haven't been starting the pros separately, I'm pretty sure they start the pros in the like It's amazing together. some Uber cyclists, even just some mm. Uber, like I remember one year I did Ironman and we had a, a, an ex- UK cycling champ mm. races an age grouper. Mm. Uh, we couldn't swim or, or um, yeah, run. No, I remember that dude. <laughs> when he passed me, yeah, like you know, you and I are in the kind of pointy end of the field. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, he was there, and this is Taupo, so you got long straight roads in front of you. Couldn't see him like thirty seconds later. Yeah, you know, it's amazing someone like him hasn't got on board just to kind of smack yeah. it to these guys. So, um. This, uh, anyway, the, the results as I got sent through, and again, didn't watch them. Nikki Bartlett took out the females by a massive margin. She raced on the Saturday. So I think on Saturday it was... She dominated, didn't Nikki she? Nikki Bartlett, and I think it was Melanie McQuaid. I yeah, think Melanie McQuaid. Saturday. Sarah. Oh, okay. So they um, had two on two, did they? But d- the times just seemed bizarre um, because she she uh, rode 52.39, and in second place on the males was Maurice, Maurice Clavel in 52.36, so she's only three seconds behind him. Now, she is a beast, um, but I don't, that just seems a bit odd. Uh, second was Sarah Pampiano on the men's side. Ben Canute took it out against Maurice Clavel, but they both did race on different days. So, again, like any sort of racing, doesn't mean too much, but it's just what, something for us to watch. Why are on different days, I wonder? Um, Why you probably more for? for the age groupers to, hmm. to, do it, to uh, join yeah, in. Watch it. Okay, one of the Ziff Pro Tri Series uh, Sanders ended up taking all the short course guys out. Now, what was the distance? Uh, they were doing laps of Yorkshire on the Tibbet Well course, which is really, really bumpy. Uh, lots of little hills, and yeah, Sanders took it in a sprint, so he is going great guns on the bike. Uh, they did have a bit of a cock up because they do live commentary on this one as well. They yep. have. Uh, it's not Lovato because he does the Ironman stuff. It's um, Chris, not Chris Liado, Matt Liado, who does a lot of the Ironman yep. coverage as well. Uh, he's still doing the commentary with a guy from Zwift. And the women's race was a bit of a cock-up because the, the countdown on the coverage was showing them finishing where they weren't actually finishing. And so they stuffed that up a little oh, bit. Oh, bugger. But um, I don't know. Anyway, uh, the girls' side, I didn't even write down. Sophie Caldwell, I think, won it. The other th- funny thing. Did you watch them? I, I kind of, with everything now, I kind of just have it off on the side yep. when I'm on the trainer, so I'm not really watching it, but I'm cognizant of what's going on. The fa- the funniest thing that I saw at the weekend, though, when watching these two little bits of coverage, was with the Ironman coverage, they're cover- doing that live on Ironman Facebook page as well, yep. and Michael Lovato and Diddy Griesbauer are doing the commentary, and they were f- they were live without them realising it and Michael Lovato starts making funny faces and things oh, like that and then oh it was all serious uh, yeah sorry about that folks <laughs> it was gold I like that stuff but it's a bit like, like did you watch the news last night with Jack Tame 
No. Oh, I jacked him. This is across him. But the, she said the newsreader started reading his bit and he's just sitting there looking like a fool. But <laughs> then he responded, I like, like, it's just a human moment, isn't it? Yeah. It's really good. Um, okay, so that's pretty much it when it comes to any racing week in the moment. But one thing is ITU has announced that Hamburg World Cup World World Triathlon Series uh, will be, has been, and relays has been rescheduled to September. So... Yeah, so this is good because the whole ITU season has been completely wiped out and so now they're, again, like many other sports, planning to hopefully restart. So fingers crossed that might be the first ITU race in September. We are starting to see base sport come back in there. We? League's mm. going to be starting again in a couple of weeks. Super Rugby's about a month away. There's some football being played overseas. I think the challenge for us in our sport is that mass participation component and you know, aid stations and everybody being, you know, thousands of people being uh, yeah. congregating. So, you know, you could realistically maybe see that the pro race goes ahead, age group stuff, who knows? Yeah. Okay, this week's discussion, John, we had a discussion around Challenge Daytona is going to be have the World Challenge Championships. And John was just wondering, should they bring some innovation to it? Like, do we just have a traditional old-fashioned triathlon with the distance that they're doing? Or are we looking for this to be a bit more like Super League? We are going to put some innovation, which makes it more interesting for the viewer. And remember, there is $1 million on the line. Yeah. So it's going to be big, big prize money. So to put that into perspective, I think Kona is 650000 total prize pool. So more, you know, nearly double Kona. So there's going to be some big money on offer. It's going to pay 20 deep. It's, there's been no racing. It's going to get an amazing field. Uh, so I just think maybe this is an awesome opportunity to try to make long course racing uh, a bit more interesting, <clears throat> a bit like what we're hopefully going to see with the, the Collins Cup further down the track. So um, Graham Cool says a meaningful prize purse for preems or primes, depending on where you're from, on the bike and run. Fastest transition, penalty loop for any cardable offence other than a DQ. These will help make it a bit more engaging and something for community teams to work with. Totally agree with you, Graham. Uh, Michael Ranscott, he just doesn't think the US is going to be open by the doubts international athletes will be have to arrive. So he's kind of Come on, Michael, where's your positivity? <laughs> let's, let's be a bit more positive, Michael. Uh, Pedro Archer has got, while they're swimming, puncture their front tyres and give them an exact replacement. Uh, oh, exact replacement. We don't want to be tight. Uh, T1 will then be repaired before they set off on the bike. Maybe a prime for the fastest tyre change. Could expand this uh, tyre thing to their shoelaces <laughs> together when they're cycling. Mate, you're, you're a narcissist. You're hard to... Oh yeah, sit and jest all that stuff, and I don't think any of that should be in the race. But that's the sort of stuff that you could include in the coverage. You get all the pros together, and you have a tire changing race. And so when it is a boring part of the bike, yeah. you insert little fun things like that. I think it's whilst you say it, and jest, I think it's actually. But what a is sports idea. entertainment, isn't it? You know, look, it's funny. Yeah. Oh, for some reason, I bought a wrestling book this week. Um, I do I sometimes <laughs> get caught up in wrestling. One of the commentators has put out a book. And so I've kind of you're talking superstars of wrestling, wrestling. WWE, mate, sports yeah. entertainment. I tell you, um, I haven't watched it in years, John. But I occasionally go on YouTube and watch it. I, I I am partial to getting a little bit caught up in it occasionally. Um, but you know what? I get that it's entertainment. Mm. You know, they they know how to put a package together around entertainment. So maybe what we should have is a wrestling match. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Martindale, um, living just ten minutes away from the speedway and racing the event. Uh, its first two years I can tell you it's a phenomenal event in Daytona International Speedway does it right last year I watched Lionel Batterfoot battle for his epic win live he had a really close race with uh, yeah, Pablo right. oh, I 
Gonzalez or something like that was his surname. Speedy's brother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the pro race is a one-of-a-kind format and really fan-friendly. It would be a destination race to even come and watch. Plus, you have one of the US's famous beaches in Daytona and all the theme parks just an hour away. If you're on the fence about coming, just do it. I couldn't agree with you more, Jeff. Um, if we lived anywhere in the cooey of this, I'd be going... This is going to be an amazing, amazing field because you're going to get the best Ironman athletes in the world plus some of the best short course. It's going to be, a, I mean, they're calling it a world champs, I think. It is going to be a proper championship race and you've got all the theme parks and stuff. So uh, you could go family holiday, get to do the race, get to watch a race. Everybody's happy. Will the race be the same time as like like a traditional Ironman, or will there be the pro race? Well, age group the race? last year they did the race, uh, the pro race under lights. So they started oh, cool. at dusk, and uh, and and the lights came on, and they were finishing in, in the dark. Jeez, uh, Paul Hurden's got. Um, I'm all up for bringing innovation to the sport, but I just don't think 2020 really needs it. I'd be happy just to see some racing. Given the lack of racing leading up to this, the uncertainty of performance levels across the pros will bring more than enough excitement excitement for the race. Volker, the vascular Viking Voigt, full data access, power, heart rate of the pros, coaches of the top athletes as part of the live coverage. Again, great points here. Now, one of the cool things we see from the Ruvi and Zwift racing and everything we see online is you do have good live coverage of power, heart rate and, and yeah. cadence, etc. That is because it's all being streamed yeah, straight in. Thing. When they're two kilometres away, I think it's more of a challenge. I'm not saying it's insurmountable, but... Um, yeah, it would be cool to have, but I think it would be great, again, to have the coaches sort of coming in and commenting on bits and pieces as well. Uh, Lynette Wan's got uh, the Bahrain Triple Challenge was a great idea. If you won all three pre-selected races, then you'd win $1 million, which Daniel did. Uh, Daytona is a one-off race, so it draws more eligibility for anybody to win. That's her point. Um, Bradley Murphy last one I'll do not exactly innovation as already done by challenge in some events but a 20 metre draft zone would be thumbs up pretty positive they'll be able to do that there given you've got a massive big speedway and you can spread yourselves out uh, so I think it should be a given yeah Okay, pretty much the same stuff from other people coming through. John you've got a few notes here what do you think? I think it's going to be uh, could be really cool and so I, I haven't seen any full coverage of the race previously and often we've had just you know a handful of races uh, athletes going head to head so I'm assuming it's going to be a multi-lap you know the athletes are maybe a couple laps in the swim and then doing laps around the um, the, the car circuit and then doing uh, a lap run course so what I would like to do, see is some innovation and see you've got an opportunity here to try to make it a bit more interesting than just a straight up race. So the ideas that I've got is basically have a, a short shoot that gives, say, around about a 100 metre advantage if you get a short shoot or any of the preems or anything like that. So 100 metres, I know it's probably roughly about 20 seconds of running uh, on the, the run. Yeah, so it's enough an advantage that it's worthwhile doing, but it's probably not going to change, possibly not going to change the winner of the race. Uh, so, but it may well get you an extra place or two. So, and have some money on the line with the preem. So, the preems I was thinking of is make it a two-lap swim, and so there's a preem at halfway. So you get a bit of action of people trying to speed up uh, as you go to the end of the. Sw- the, the first lap, 10k into the bike, that would encourage the swimmers to have a go and try to keep the foot down, or those that are coming out you know, just behind the lead swimmer to really give it a good nudge. Uh, the fastest lap on the bike, and then having one towards the end of the bike, maybe at around 85k to try to encourage people to do a breakaway, and then on the run, maybe having two at uh, maybe the 7 and 14k mark on the run. Okay, wait uh, a second, I've 
got I've got a better idea. Yes. So at the Christchurch Marathon, they have the 100-meter sprint. You know that? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what they do is within the marathon, it's basically there's, there's 100 meters, and with in every kind of 20 minutes something, the person who goes the fastest gets some kind of gift or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know, some kind of thing. They could do that. Because the problem with prem is often if someone gets to the front, they just need to get all the prems. Um, what happens if, like, in each lap, they have a 100-meter section – and the person who does it faster gets to do the shoot. But they don't tell you until like the, as you go into transition at the start of the next lap, your name is on the board. Mm-hmm. So you get to see. So it's you kind of got to take a risk because it gets a max heart rate. Mm-hmm. But it can save you, you know. Yeah. You know, so it's not necessarily that you're just the first person to this place. It's that each lap there's this moment where you've got to go absolute nut bar, but there's a real benefit for you to do it. Mm. Um, and you don't actually know if you've won it, so it kind of encourages everybody to do it. Yeah. Until the end, of the, as you're coming into the lap, you'll see your name up, that person gets to go out the fast shoot. You know, that's kind well, of Well, you could cool do that either with sprints or with laps because they're going to be doing multiple laps. So yeah. it might be every second lap is uh, whoever's got the fastest on that lap. Yeah, uh, or a segment of the lap. Yeah. So I, I just think this, it could be really good. You don't want to make it so much so that it just becomes a joke and yeah. and it just becomes a gimmick. And by having these advantages small enough but big enough, I think well, it Well, that's like the one I'm thinking of because like you want to do it enough that it really encourages max heart rate. Mm. So there's a real risk, you know, but the, the reward is worth the risk if you win it. Mm. But if you don't win it, then it's like, man, I want to screw my race here. Yeah. You know, so it kind of makes that game of chess a little bit more complicated. And when you've got, you know, if you've got guys that are, this potentially could be a really close race, could come down to the wire on the run. And if you've got, you know, a Gomez, a Brownlee, if he's at his best, Fredino, and some, and say the Norwegians, there's a reasonable chance they might finish within 90 seconds of each other, you know, the top five on the run. And so little 20 second advantages yeah. can make a big difference. So, But then the other thing is, let's say, you got, let's say they have, I don't know, five laps of 2K or something, and there's a 100 meter sprint in each lap, and you get, or every second lap or something, you get those advantages. But then in that last 100 meters, you might blow up because you've done the sprint. Exactly. You know, so it does kind of make it a little bit more interesting. Mm. Penalties. And then penalties um, uh, have a stop uh, draft box, and then plus make the athletes run further like they do in rote if you get a penalty. Again, you don't want to. You've got to get that balance right. Yeah, because if it's you, you don't, don't want to take someone out of the race. Yeah, um, but you don't want to be encouraging drafting, obviously. So it's but in that case, stop the box is the only thing you can do. Yeah, because if you add distance, it's just what do you add? 10, 10 meters. Yeah. So anyway, I think they've got a great opportunity. I hope they take the, some of the stuff up. Uh, even if if they don't, just do a standard race, it will still be pretty exciting. But um, I think they've got a real opportunity to do something a bit different and shake the sport up a bit. I've got a question that you may want to put in this week. You can. I'm going to give it to you. Okay. You can decide. Mm-hmm. I was watching some. I was listening to some podcast. I don't even know what it was. Will the save for next week? I, well, I'll tell you. You can decide okay. if it's good enough to overtake what you've done this week. Yes. So I was listening to some podcast and. Uh, so it was a sport. I don't even know what it was. It might have been a league podcast. Um, six tackles of Gus. It's a good nice. league podcast. Maddie Johns is the best league podcast. But anyway, um, I was listening to a podcast, and one of the one of the guys said, "Mate, here's the player I would choose to save my life if my, if my life depended on it." So the question is, you had to pick an athlete. <laughs> Not happening. Go, it's, go it's, ahead. It's, <laughs> come on. Having <laughs> spat it out. Not happening. <laughs> finish yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Hunger Games right. for your life in a triathlon race. And you have to choose one athlete in the history of the sport to represent you in the Hunger Games for triathlon for your life. If your athlete doesn't win, 
Who do you pick? Now, I know you're going to say no, but everyone listening to this is agreeing that my, my option's better than yours. Well, you, if, you, if you do agree with Bevan, you can email him in your answers because he gets all the emails. <laughs> no, so well, that'll be next week's question. Okay. The Hunger Games. So your life would depend upon it. You mm. had to choose a triathlete from the history of the sport. And so the, with, with them representing you, if they the don't win, athlete, you're dead. We've got to do a male and a female. Yeah. And we've got to decide a distance here. Yeah, okay. See, look, you're buying into it, aren't you? <laughs> Come on. Okay, what distance? See what I'm doing here, team. What distance? I would go like a between a Olympic and a half, probably. So you do like maybe a, a 2K, 60K, 15K. Sort okay, of a, there's, okay Laguna, those are Laguna distance. Phuket distance. Okay, that, okay, those are the distances. Who, who would you choose, John? Well, this is next week's, apparently, this is next week's oh, discussion. Great. So who, um, who would you represent to save your life? You're standing at the finish line. They've got, what's, what, wouldn't you got like a firing line in front of you? What do they call that? Um, well, what do you do? You just shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or you have the gate like they do. It's the Hunger Games. You don't care. <laughs> You're just watching the finish line coming in. Well, what don't they do? I haven't been to um, what's the big race in South Africa? The, the running race, comrades. Yeah. There, do they, they either have a gate and don't they have a gun that they shoot off? Okay. Instead of having the gun, you shoot off. You just have a machine gun and just. <laughs> pop, so pop, so pop. All, all you and your people who are, who are choosing the competitors are in this line. Mm. Gun people in front of you. Are only you one a, man standing at the end. Are you allowed to do what? Are, what are those little things you could drop into the Hunger Games? Um, the little packages, the food packages, or, or, or oh, so you think that are you, you can to, give credit uh, to your athletes? Yeah. See, you're taking it to the next level here, John. This is what they should be doing with their Challenge Daytona. Back to this week's discussion. The Hunger Games of Triathlon, John. Who would be your top five male and female over a half Ironman distance race if all the top 20 athletes from ITU and long course of the year like what we might see at Daytona? Because at the 70.3 Worlds, you kind of get a bit of a mixed match of the others. You get a few random ITU athletes coming along. But if you said, we're going to get... Uh, the top 20 ITU, top 20 long distance or 70.3 athletes, who's going to come out on top? Because that's what might happen in Daytona. Now, when we look at the World Championships, we haven't actually had that many ITU guys. We've had a couple, but in their peak, ITU peak turn up to 70.3 champs, have we? Yeah. Um, couple, but not. Couple, yeah. But not. We had Gomez, and, and last year we've got the, the Norwegians. Um, but yeah, it's, it doesn't usually fit that well with the ITU season. Mm, okay, that, that's a really interesting question, Sean. Have a bit of music, Bevan. <laughs> Not like the Hunger Games. Uh-huh. Bit of music. <laughs> Hunger Games, guys. Here we go, here's the music. Coaches Corner. We've got a question here from uh, Jerry McIntyre, and he's got, I presume this is an issue for a lot of people right now with a lot of races cancelling and deferring. I was due to complete an Ironman Lanzarote next Sunday, Saturday, with all the prep done. Why I'm still hopeful I might be able to get a half distance race in locally in Ireland this year. I'm wondering what would be the advice, retraining, slash volume structure, etc., as Ironman Lanzarote is now a year away. This is actually the time of year. Most more Northern Islanders, where the training is really enjoyable with longer days and better weather. I'm running and biking, but have no access to a swimming pool as they are closed. And at present, we are not allowed to travel outside 5Ks, which fingers crossed that's better by now. But just kind of, he's wondering what's the advice around you're in a bit of a peak moment right now, mm. maybe you're not allowed to use it. So, 
how do you move forward? It's quite different for us down in New Zealand because we're going into our winter sort of off season for, for most people other than the pros. So we're kind of looking at things a little bit differently yeah. and people aren't quite so stressed out. They're going, well, I haven't really got any races coming up. So, excuse me. <coughs> so I'm just going to you know, do a few different things, try a bit of Zwift racing. So I think for, for you guys in the Northern Hemisphere, it's a lot more challenging because whilst you're hopeful there might be some late season racing, it's like... Will there be? Will there be? Uh, who knows? Uh, mm. So right now, what you need to be doing, in my opinion, is um, making sure training is enjoyable, but really asking you that question. We've, we've sort of been going over a bit recently with uh, some of the interviews we've done is why you're sort of doing the sport and what's what's in it for you? What what do you enjoy about it? Um, so now I've lost my train of thought, Bevan. Um, well, you're saying you should establish your weakness and work on it? Oh, yep, sweet. sweet. Um, so, yeah, I think first thing you've got to do is, is try to figure out that why. And if it is about getting as fast as you possibly can for Lanzarote, then you need to come up with a plan that's going to be, you know, 12 months long and, and just start working backwards. Um, so look at your weaknesses. So for a lot of people, it might be the run. If you want to break it into individual distances, it might be the bike, it might be your endurance is a real limiter, um, it might be that your mental strength is a real limiter, or your run durability, so you're quite new to the sport. So have a good hard think about what your weakness is, and then you've got to decide if you want to work on it, or it might be nutrition as well, in terms of race nutrition. Um, also have a think about, you know, for some people the why is they enjoy the social interaction side of it. So if that's why you love doing the sport, try to figure out okay over the next six months hopefully around the world we see restrictions starting to ease yeah. off if, if you think how good I think go what I love about triathlon is going out and group stuff and having people's company and yeah I enjoy the performance but it's more about the social side of it so then try to put yourself in those, those situations well I think one thing that's really important like I think of myself in my journey as a person when I was a young man I needed the goal Mm-hmm. Uh, and I used to have a saying that I used to say I, was, I, was the goal, I used to say I'm only as good as my goal and what I meant by that was if I chose the right goal I'd be a higher level self mm-hmm. and then sometimes I'd choose goals because I just needed a goal and they weren't that stimulating so I ultimately wasn't that high level mm-hmm. and so it was the, the choosing of the goal was really important mm. as I've evolved I don't need the goal so much anymore. It's mm. more about a state I like to be in within myself consistently in my life. It's kind of like that, that I have this thing of how often do I go to bed feeling really satisfied with my day. And so it's more about just living today really well than needing a goal to prove to myself, to live myself to a higher level. And so for a lot of people right now, one of the struggles is a lot of people like were are like what I was like when I was younger is that they need a goal. And so maybe one thing that in a time where maybe goals are harder to find or harder to access is maybe start to think about the why like John's talking about here, but also start to think about, you know, um, where can I make sure I just find that day-to-day challenge, which is ultimately just about that reinforcing of self and, and development and evol- mm. evolution of self. And everybody's different. That's why, that's how Bevan processes things. Everybody's different. Yeah. A lot of people that I coach, they just love the social side of it. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to smash these intervals, but if it doesn't make me faster, I'm just out there to have a good time, yeah, be with totally. mates. So um, next side for a lot of people, it's the competition. So if competition is a really big driver, uh, um, then try to get into some of the competitive environments out there. So there's Zwift racing, there's Ruby racing, there's the Ironman stuff. Again, with some of that stuff, you've got to take it with a grain of salt when you look at the results. Um, but there's virtual run challenges. So there's, there's plenty of opportunities for competition. It's not going to give you that Ironman finishes medal. It's not going to give you that qualification for a particular race. But there's enough competition out there. Um, 
that you can hopefully use that as a stimulus. Just go back to social interaction. And, and this is one of those times where I know I, different countries are in different places right at this moment. So like for some people, um, they're still very much in a lockdown. You know, mm-hmm. New Zealand now, you know, you could probably get teammates together mm-hmm. and do, a, to, do an Ironman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there are ways around that you can actually still participate in something that's kind of a cool thing. It's not mm-hmm. going to be your Ironman experience. But let's be honest, if you've got 10 of your mates together who are in mm. your community, and that's that's the value of being a part of a triathlon club or something like that, is right now you could get 10 of your people from your triathlon club and say, okay, three weeks from now, we're meant to be doing Lanzarote, let's do an Ironman. And, yeah. you, you know, and it'll be pretty budjo, and it'll be swimming at local lake and you know doing some laps around local area, but if you can make that work, why not? Or you can do it virtually as well. Yeah. Um, so competition, there's, there's enough out there going on, just takes a Bit of organisation to make you it could happen. Eat, like, what John does really well in his camps is there's always a competition within the competition. Mm. Like the, always the, the objective of Epic Camp is to finish. That's always mm-hmm. number one. But he's got all these little kind of quirky things that makes it interesting. Definitely motivates the crap out of people. Mm. And so, you know, we've been talking about how do you make innovation for Challenge Daytona. Well, if you're someone who's, let's say you are going to put an eye on for your mates, Put some fun stuff in there. Put some points in there. You know, innovate in a way that's like it does actually motivate you not just to get the distance done, but to actually really care about doing well. Mm. Um, and then a lot of people just like challenges. So the competition is one thing. The challenges is another thing. Um, some of the challenges available to you now. Um, again, there's there's racing on Zwift or, or or going and getting all the badges on Zwift, which means completing the courses. So I know a lot of people are doing that. So if you are new to Zwift. All the different courses, you can get a badge for a different one. You can get a badge for riding oh, 100 really? kilometres. You can get a badge for riding 100 miles. You can get a badge People for... love that stuff. Yeah, for going over 500 watts for Gamifying 10 seconds. It, yeah. Uh, and so, the, the, again, that's another little challenge. Likewise on Strava, there's millions of different challenges you can get on board there. Um so a lot of people are looking at doing Everesting where you're climbing Mount Everest or there's the Ironman virtual reality sort of series. So, again, there's quite a few challenges out there to, to sort of... Yeah, get your teeth into. So back to your question though, um, Jerry was with was specifically around Lanzarote. So um, you know, for for you guys in the northern hemisphere, if your bikes a limiter, and once the restrictions come off and you can bike further than five k's, for, for a huge amount of people, working on bike endurance is is. Yeah. going to help you massively so it might be you go well this summer it's not going to be any racing but geez I'm going to go and do some epic bike adventures and maybe go do some <clears throat> three day point to point rides and, and create some really big challenges and uh, progress your cycling along and that's there's obviously a good endurance benefit for you as an athlete but it's also those life experiences you know like you and I bike into Queenstown like mm. you know that's it's, god I think of it nowadays I think god it's crazy but you know like it was you know, that's cool, that stuff, isn't it? And I was having a discussion with someone I coached yesterday around this, but you, you do lose that fitness gain that you get um, because, say, you do a full summer of racing and then you have two or three months off yeah. over a Christmas period. You are going to lose that fitness but you probably won't go back down to the, the the levels that you were at but you can break through some mental barriers and that's the sort of stuff that won't disappear straight away um yeah and fingers crossed for a lot of you guys we might have some racing at the tail end of the summer um for, for some of you northern hemisphere athletes uh, an idea might be that you spend the next few months as the restrictions come off hopefully um developing your bike and we might see some you know some really late season marathons so another an opportunity for a lot of people going well, I've always really wanted to see what I can do for a marathon and tri-season always gets in the way so I can't really build up. This could be an opportunity where you go, right, I might go and give a marathon a really good nudge. Well, um, interesting is one of the points that John hasn't brought up here is, is, is 
unfortunately for a lot of triathletes we don't have time to do the other things so like mm. i actually watched there was a um uh, an online conference for a running coaching the other week that i watched um and they were talking about strength training and around running it was it was really good actually i might actually see if we can get the girl on she was a really mm. good pre- presenter and gave some really good advice it was run specific but kind of endurance sport but um you know a lot of us now's a Get to do some weights, you know, mm. get get strong, you know, like if you can get a good strength base in your off season, you know, and do some real good, you know, two or three sessions a week, quality work, you know, get a nice strong body, that's mm. going to come massive benefits on the other side of this. Because it was interesting, she showed why the benefit of strength training mm. and the benefit was absolutely huge. When they did it, they did basically got people who... They didn't increase their load, didn't increase intensity. The running stayed exactly the same, but the gain was something like 15% by adding strength training to mm-hmm. their training. Now, it was periodized within a year, um, and in the peak, because runners run a lot, um, in their main season, there was only like one session a week, but in the off-season, they were like doing three sessions a week, and it was it was, it, like, it was one of those things where when you watch it, it was like, it's an easy sell, you need to be mm-hmm. doing strength. So stuff like that as well. So um, remember, have a think about why, what's your why. Um, for me, a couple of things that, you know, I... My whys is I like to compete, so I found the, the racing really cool because that sort of stimulates my competitive nature. Um, but then I also really like challenges and campaigns. So I did a big Zwift ride on Sunday with a group, and it's like, what's the point? I'm not, I haven't got a race coming up, but it's like, well, it's, it's a bit of a challenge that's out there, yeah. and it's just to go and do something a bit silly. And, uh, and so that sort of fulfilled that need for me and then the other one for me is being outside which I know a lot of you guys can't be at the moment but um, that's one of the reasons why I train and enjoy what we do and just lastly going back to my point about creating a race like it's be a leader mm. you know what I mean because a lot of people I mentioned a lot of people in your community are going you know if there's something out there I'll do it mm. and again it's a, you're not going to put on a race but if you can put together 10 people it's, it's sometimes mm. someone just to say let's do this like that's what I used to when I was riding to the sport John would just ring me and say I think we should do this oh okay let's do it you know and, you know, and uh, you know like but it was cool because we many life experiences mm. just because John goes oh that's a cool idea mm. you know so if you are someone in your community think of something and just put it out there you'll be surprised you'll jump on board have you with some more music oh, yeah, there's a lot of music today Jombo here we go <laughs> John's history, history lesson. lesson. Now, this is a very good lesson because we're in a moment in the sport which has only happened one other time. So back in 1982 was the last time we had Kona in both February and October. And we've been talking a little bit about recently, but it was kind of like, I think, not I know. So now we know because John and Ian, the white lightning, my roommate, Hersley, has uh, come back with some good notes. He did because I think we said... Uh, either last week or the week before that the reason they changed Ironman to October I was like oh maybe it was when they changed it across islands but Ian's come back and corrected me said aloha guys because Ian now lives on the, the big island the first couple of comments with the show the reason the move from February to October October was not a move from Oahu to the big island the move had already taken place uh, in the 1980 race it was to give the northern hemisphere athletes from cooler climates a better opportunity to train oh there you go i.e. screw over the Kiwis yeah they saw us coming and they thought, how can we screw the Kiwis over? Although, good old Erin Baker still won it in those conditions, didn't she? she? And when I actually uh, looked at 1982 to see the, the results, it actually was quite a significant year because 
it was the year of the Julie Moss crawl. Oh, really? Um, that. So was it the October race or was it the February race? That was the Feb- February race. Wow. So it was the year that Julie Moss crawled to the finish and which, got beaten by which Kathleen Which put McCartney. the sport on the map. Which, what's really interesting is we know that the sport was kind of a slow burn for a very niche market. And everyone always talks about, you know, there's kind of three significant moments. A, the sport starts. Mm-hmm. B, the Sports Illustrated article, which mm-hmm. definitely brought a lot of people in. And then C, Julie Moss on ABC. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see what the numbers went like in the next year. Mm. You know, because everyone says, hey, oh my God, the sport got all this. And, you know, mm. I wonder, for those who are around in that kind of 81, 82, was the next year like, oh, this has gone crazy? Melina, let us know. Yeah, Melina, it would be good bum. to know. He's sitting on his bum in Noosa. Just let us know. Oh, it's a hard life for some. So in February, the 1982 race, uh, Scott Tinley took it out. Um, he he doesn't get enough credit, I don't think, Scott Tinley. I know he's one of the big four, but he's he's definitely the fourth of the big uh, yeah. three. But he had some really solid race over there. He beat Dave Scott uh, fairly convincingly on this day. Uh, so he won the 82 race in 9.19, winning by 17 minutes over Dave Scott which he pretty much put into him on the run because certainly, as you heard on the interview last week, uh, when we're talking about the Formula One racing, he wanted to do one of the, the Formula One races and the guy said, you're a you crap the, swimmer. Yeah, yeah. You swim an hour 10. <laughs> although, Compared although, to Dave Scott's 58. Yeah, 58 for Dave Scott, but then third, hour 13, fourth, True. hour 18. Yeah. You know, so like they were all pretty slow at that time. And then Scott Tinley rode up to uh, Dave Scott. So he rode a 505 to Dave Scott's 517. And then Tinley ran a 303 to Dave Scott's 321. Uh, and that was, as I said, that was a year that uh, there was a few significant things. Uh, that was a year that Julie Moss got beaten by Kathleen McCartney by 29 seconds. Wow. I rewatched a tiny bit of the clip yesterday. It's not something you want to watch many times. Once is probably enough. And it's, it's, but it's, it's, we go about sports entertainment. That's entertainment. Yeah. Just oh. watching someone. It was just such a beautiful kind of, it was such a beautiful story, wasn't it? Because she's, she's, what, 20 meters? The final bit was 20 meters. She started struggling, uh, Earlier than that, uh, with a couple of she must have had a massive lead. Yeah, well, well, wait a second. So she ran, so she swam. So in the woman's race, the woman swimmer, well, Kathleen McCartney, Kathleen, Julie Moss came out with Scott Tinley, but Kathleen McCartney, 132 swim. Yeah, <laughs> times are different. <laughs> that team. must have been a seriously rough conditions because I know that the standard of swimming was nowhere near what it was in those days. But when Dave Scott swimming 58 minutes, uh, he was a top swimmer. That's 10 minutes longer, well, not 10, probably seven or eight minutes longer for him. But f- when you're a crap swimmer, the conditions must have beaten the crap out of the, him. The woman got seventh, did a 144 swim. <laughs> different times, John, so different the, the, times. But, but, but she, Kathleen, was basically 20 minutes behind her coming out of the run. Mm. So she really, you know, she really... Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing, and I think this is a typo, not necessarily a correct fact. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's a list of all the winners or the top 10 of every Kona on Slow Twitch. Up to, it actually stops at 19, uh, 2017. Yeah, reason. that's because that was when Jordan Rapp left. I always used to remind him to keep updating oh, this. Oh, okay. Because this is, a, there's, no, there's nowhere else where you can get this. You can get all the winners of Kona yep. on Wikipedia and things like that, but there's nowhere else where you got the top 10 uh, because on these results, they have got third and fourth, Lynn Brooks and Sally Edwards with the exact same time, and then fifth and sixth, oh, yeah. also with the exact same time. So, so is that because pr- timing was pretty poor? No, I think that's a typo. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, I haven't actually added up. No, the I think that I think that that John, I think you're wrong about the. Okay, I'm going to go to Wikipedia because I remember there was a draw. Remember recently I've been talking about. Yeah, this. but you couldn't have two draws. You couldn't have third. Oh and no, no, fourth, for both of them. And then fifth and sixth together. 
Let me have a look. Champions. Ironman World Champions. The times? Yeah, I haven't added up the times. Anyway, in the October edition, uh, then Dave Scott got his revenge. He beat Scott Tinley by just about the same margin, one by 20, <laughs> 20 minutes. And interesting about the eight, another interesting fact about 82 was that uh, while Scott Tinley finished in second, his brother Jeff Tinley finished in third, third place. Melina was fourth. Uh, and then on the female side, yeah, Julie uh, Leach take it out from Joanne Dalka Holter. Dalka? Doc Hotter, uh, by about four minutes. Yeah, and Sally Edwards in third. I reckon Sally Edwards, I reckon there might not be a typo because they're definitely for third place. It was Lynn Brooks and Sally Edwards, and it was a tie. Okay. So maybe maybe, maybe it's not a tie for the others. Mm. Um, there was no prize money back then. The prize money did not start until either 85 or 86. So yeah, may have had some ties. So then 83, then 84, they got Scott Tinley again. So Scott Tinley got quite a few seconds. Mm. But then what was the year Scott Tilly won? 85. That was when they, no one turned up. So, okay, so 85, no one turns up because they're, they're nice or they're protesting? I, I, well, I think 86 was the year that the prize money first started. <laughs> and that's because maybe, because everyone went to Nice, was it, the year before? You see, you're pulling yeah. me into things. Uh, okay, white but listen, 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 this is an amazing lineup. Number one, 85, Scott Tilly, well-known name. Number two, Chris Hinshaw. Yeah. Number three, Carl Kupovich and Mitch. But what was the di- the difference between uh, Tinley and well, Tinley? He actually only won by 26 minutes. 26. That's yeah. still pretty crazy. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. Uh, if you, yeah. The other interesting thing as I was scrolling through these results before was several occasions. We know the 89 Iron War when Mark Allen and Dave Scott were together pretty much the entire race and then Mark Allen pulls away at the end. There are um, a couple of other editions as well um, where Dave Scott won was they were together the whole way on the bike and the run. So 1987, um, they were 15 seconds difference in the swim and basically one second difference on the run and then Dave Scott runs away with the race. Uh, and then in 87, I think it was... Uh, it was 87, no, 87. It was, 80, yeah. it was one other one as well. 87... 86, 86, 86, same thing. So 86, 86 and 87, they basically had the exact same... Race. Race. Jeez, their times were... What's interesting, if you, if you, we could do some train spotting today, John, because we don't have a lot of content. So if you go back to Paul and Newby Fraser for most improved, so in 1985, Paul and Newby Fraser came third place in a time of 10.31 behind mm-hmm. uh, Joanne Ernst and Elizabeth Blumen. Uh, so then the next year, she turns up, does a 9.49. Mm. Takes 40 minutes off. And then she took another nine minutes off the next year, but only finished in third place. And as Aaron Baker took it out. Mm. Well, they both blew up. That's the one we were talking about recently. Mm. So um, Sylvia Pontos and uh, Paul and Yuba Fraser, there was, remember we were talking about it? They were walking transitions. Mm. Yeah, and there was a strategy up to that point. So that's an interesting thing, eh? How much time would have they lost and walking. Oh, and were the men walking in the aid stations back at those times? It doesn't look like it. Dave Scott's running a 249. Mm. Are you walking every aid station? Don't know. We'll have to uh, Do some more go back and watch a bit more coverage. Yeah. Melina, 1988. That's right. There we go. Listen, listen it's a pretty good lineup. But you had Melina, Pig, Glar, Tinley, Allen, Browning. Browning. Yeah. yeah, so good work. Okay, John. That's uh, John's history lesson. Anything else to add to that, John? That's it. Okay, let's uh, let's go down. Wait a second. I've got, uh, Wanger of the week. Wanger, well, we should have probably done this in the news. Before we get into Wanger of the week, controversy in the Strava world today, John. 
There is indeed, because I saw DC Rainmaker post this this morning on his Facebook page, and Strava is cutting off the leaderboard for free users and reducing third-party apps for all and more. So what this kind of means is the non-paying users will no longer see the full leaderboard. They'll only see the top 10. So what that, so for example, if you've got your favorite climb in your neck of the woods and you're sitting in 150th place or whatever it might be, you go out there and do it again, um, you'll still be able to see your performance and I think you'll still be able to see your previous performances to see how you're tracking uh, and you'll probably know your place but you won't be able to see everybody else, which... Um, it's quite a big thing. The way I generally well, use Strava, most people use Strava to, to compare. They do. I, I my first call is to compare myself. Going, geez, that felt good today. I said new power, oh, yeah. and I look back yep, and see all my true. previous performances. Yep. So that's my first step. And then, as so you does said, that still exist? I'm pretty sure it does. Okay, but I, I like you said, I will then go and see. Oh, where do I actually compare against other people? So if you've got a free uh, account, you won't be able to do that anymore. You'll only be able to see the top ten. And let's be honest. None of us, or very, very few of us are in the top 10 on any segments we do. I certainly am not unless it's some crappy little segment that uh, nobody else knows about. So that's point number one. I'm, I'm still in the top 10 on Harry L, John. <sighs> Might have to go and uh, knock you off <laughs> that bad boy. But, but, but one thing is, it's a downhill of Harry. <laughs> right. Uh, Strava is removing the leaderboard for all third-party apps. Uh, so if you're using one of the 44,000 third-party apps, there uh, would there will not be anything to do with with uh, so segments. So what does that mean? Does that mean you can't, or segments of the, so mm. like for example, if you're using your Garmin watch, it won't use the segment from Garmin? Um, no, it'll still give you the segment, but if, if you've got it, oh, okay. read, read, read DC Rainmaker's yeah, article. Yeah. Uh, and then something I've never used before anyway, non-paying users will no longer get the web route builder. So if you want to build routes, you'll need to use another platform. That's not that big a deal, at least for me it's not anyway. I use uh, Ride with GPS, which I find to be fantastic. Uh, so yeah, the free ride's over for, for some of the features on Strava. And What do you pay for Strava? I think it's like most of the others. I think it's 10 bucks a month, something like that. Um, I never saw value in it, but I no. never saw value in, because I think the Philinator has it. Phil's got everything. Phil's yeah. <laughs> 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 got everything. <laughs> Phil, you got everything. Um... But I remember just thinking, because at one stage I thought, oh, you know, support them. Ten dollars a month, is it worth it? Hmm. You know, um, if you, you didn't have training peaks and you didn't have yeah, connect and stuff, then I'd say, yeah, definitely. Well, the, the thing that Strava has is the community. Hmm. That's that's what it does well, isn't it? it like with the training stuff, you can get that everywhere. Hmm. Um, but the community and and the comparisons. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, it looks like our leaderboard and things like that is still going to be active, so we st- still can do our wanger of the week, um, but you can't go and compare your segments. So this week in uh, the world of wanger of the week, I managed to sneak inside the top 100 again, Bevan, 60th place. Nice work. I thought I did a little bit more than that, 15 hours and two minutes of training. Must have got shafted somewhere on, on Strava, because I'm sure it was 16. But anyway... That was largely thanks to me uh, going out for a mountain bike ride with my, my daughter, which I probably shouldn't really be counting as uh, hey. as training. But hey. I do. you got I your had, heart rate up. I had the watch on and also did a ride with my son. But actually now riding with my son is actually riding, which is cool. So, so Bevan, give me a number. Okay, well, you can choose. You choose one, two, or three, and I'll give you a number based on that. Well, we could either go nine or ten because... Uh, no, I said choose one, two, or three, and I'll give you a number based on what number you choose. Okay, I'll go number 10 because... Didn't no, have, you choose. I choose one, two, or three? Yeah. Oh, okay, three. 
35. Because I look at someone's driver and they hit a distance of 7Ks, pace of four, time of 35. Jason Pedersen, he did 16 hours and 37 minutes training from nine workouts, did 14 hours and 21 minutes of biking and two hours and 15 minutes of running. A few people are starting to register some swims in there now, which we haven't seen for a little while. Can you swim yet? Uh, I had my first swim this morning. Oh, so it's open, is it? It is. I'll explain that later on. It was not pretty. Uh, Jason's a professional athlete from the Simi Valley in California. Uh, he's got some nice pictures up there, out training in the blue sky. And so I don't, I think one of the things I can't, I know I can still do side by side comparisons. Last four weeks, um, Justin has been averaging. 293 kilometers per week off six rides and nine hours and 24 minutes per week and he's been running an average of two hours and five minutes per week off three runs so i've been out running you justin because i've been doing three hours and 56 minutes per week but you've been out biking me and let's see his all-time distance 89,765 kilometers from 2,050 rides with his biggest ever ride, 213 kilometer, 213.9 kilometers. Let's see if I can see where that is. And the biggest climb, 1,872 meters. Ooh. And he did a real birthday ride on the 16th. Now his longest What's ride. a real was, birthday ride? What do you mean a real birthday ride? Must have been his birthday. He did the BWN newbie, happy with 30th. Oh, that maybe that was a race. Maybe moving, 30. 213.95 kilometers, moving time. Seven hours and two minutes. Elevation gain, 3,090 minutes. Nice effort. And he's got a KOM somewhere. Here's another question for you, John. Hmm. If you could ride, how far do you think you could ride until you hit the stop? Are you allowed to have brakes? No, no. No brakes whatsoever. (laughs) So you've got to pee on the bike. Yeah, you'd have to pee on the bike. I don't think oh, I'd... Maybe, maybe I'll let you have it. You get a one-minute toilet break. Toilet breaks? You know, toilet breaks? Yeah, but you, but it's not one of those 15 minutes, you know, sitting on your phone on the toilet it breaks. kind of depend if I had a gun to my head or not. I'd be surprised... <laughs> hey, this is part of the Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be surprised if I'd go more than 400 Ks continuous. I don't well, we might add this to the Hunger Games question. <laughs> so who do you choose and how far can you ride? Yeah. I don't think I'd be motivated. I'd have to have pretty strong motivation, I think, to go more than 400 Ks because that's then you're getting into more than a day. Yeah. Because I did 300, and that was pretty much all day. That was sort of start at six, I think, finish at six at night. How were you at the end of that? Yeah, it was all right. Rode 120 k's the next day, so... Were you pretty tired? Bad. Sorry? Were you pretty tired? Yeah. Getting there. <laughs> Funny there. Just one thing with Strava, going back to the Strava story. Uh, so they have come out and said, look, we don't see our business being open a year from now unless we change what we're doing. Mm. That might be a bit of you know, PR bullcrap, but, you know... I, 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 other than Phil, I don't think anyone else is paying for Strava. No, it's people paying, but yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like in comparison to how many people they have out there, mm. um, you know, businesses do need to make money. But unfortunately for them, they just haven't done a good job of creating a service offering that makes you want to pay for it. Mm. You know, that, that's the problem. Mm. So maybe, yeah, so interesting. Well, they do, but yeah, well, it'll be interesting to watch what happens next with Strava moving forward. If you want to join our Strava Wanger in the Week group, um, you can go onto Strava and look for the I Am Talk podcast. I thought you said there's no more groups. No, it's still groups and stuff. There's just you can't see leaderboards on your segments. 
Oh, and your that's, segment. That's the oh, key. Okay. That's the key thing that you can't. The key 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 change. Mm. So if you want to come on board, we've got 943 members at the moment. Get amongst it, and if you get in the top 100, you get a chance of getting your name read out on the show. There we go. Based on my random numbers, John questions <laughs> and answers. Good old Skip Slade. Now Skip Slade, he's a coach. He is, but he also sent Bone Crusher. Mm-hmm. He sent through bullet points, which I knew John would like. He's got first of all, your interview with Adam Bray was interesting. I interview very little about Formula 1 except for the bits and pieces that John had brought up over the years the interview belongs in the Legends which we are actually going to put up as a part of the Legends feed over the next week or so uh, so that's good Electric Bites I was talking about how I do not like being passed by Electric Bites mm-hmm. he's got I have one I use it to run errands around town or just cruise around for a bit of funny stuff I really pedal using the uh, since I train plenty uh, whenever I pass the cyclist, I tell him, sorry, I'm cheating. That's <laughs> good. And that did happen to me from one person. That's good. Uh, question. I live in San Diego, California, and haven't been swimming for over two months. Some places in the world are even are opening pools, but not here yet. I can swim in the ocean, but not more than, uh, not more than protected, like, Mission can't, Bay. Can't swim in Mission Bay or protected areas like oh, that. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, we've had a red tide for a week, so I haven't swum yet. Do you have any suggestions for what triathletes should do when uh, and not do when returning to the water after a break like this? And then lastly, related question, bullet point number four. Have you noticed yourself or your athletes uh, in an increase in injury or tweaks as a result of not being able to swim? I'll answer question four first. I haven't noticed any athletes uh, getting tweaks or injuries because no, nobody's been swimming. Yeah. swimming. Yeah. Um, but just a general uh, answer to this because I too had my first swim this morning and... Yeah, I think mostly this is going to be common sense stuff, but obviously start out really easy. Um, so what I'd strongly encourage people to it's do... It's hard not to do that, eh? It's hard mentally. It depends on the environment. If you're on a, you go back to squad. Squad, yeah, that would be tricky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what I was, again, for my swim this morning, um, and what I would suggest to most people, is try to mix in a bunch of strokes so you're not just doing freestyle the whole way through. I know some people who are weaker swimmers, can't do breaststroke and backstroke very well, but if you if you one of those people do some drills do some kicks so you're not just getting in and doing you know 45 to 60 minutes of freestyle straight um, because that is going to be a bit of a shock to the system so to give you an example this morning what did I do I think I did 400 warm-up and then I did uh, then I was doing 100 meters IM I was doing three times through 100 meters IM and then four by 100 and then I did uh, I think I did three or four times through 25 breaststroke 25 backstroke and then a 200 easy and repeated that through just to get plenty of mixture of strokes in there just to change the movement and change the load a little bit um i will warn you and i I reckon eight weeks which was pretty much our lockdown i think that's right up there with the longest i haven't swum before uh, continuously, yeah, okay. Um, there might have been one, one or two other occasions, but it's been about 10 years now, 12 years, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, but it was a long time to be out of the water from my experience this morning. And most of you will probably be the same. Your speed is going to be absolutely yeah. diabolical. You lose it with something, eh? You really lose it. Like when we did the Ironman camp, um, my cycling, considering I didn't swim with a bike in like 10 years, mm. you know, I, I was I was definitely, I was able to keep up at least. Mm-hmm. I definitely wasn't otherwise. You see, running, you know, you do lose a bit of speed, but swimming. Mm. Oh, I remember I did that, tri- tri- that Queenstown triathlon. Mm. And I thought, oh, I've got a chance in this race, but you know, because mm-hmm. the field was okay uh, I'd lost to my cycling and I definitely wasn't there and running I was fine but swimming mm. and it was only 400 metres if you've been really good 
doing swim specific upper body strength work it won't be quite as bad um, but I haven't been doing that and it was pretty ugly <laughs> that being said I actually felt quite good technique wise and everything it was not too bad but what I'd say is speed's going to be rubbish so now is a really good time to try to develop good habits on those things you've wanted to do for ages yeah. or work on your technique a bit harder and just chill out and just slowly build your swing back up so for example um, I've over the years, I've got a bit lazy on my bilateral breathing. There's still no problem to do it, but I don't do enough of it. Um, and so this morning, I was just making sure that I did lots of the session bilateral breathing. So three-stroke breathing, five-stroke breathing, getting a nice balance into your session. So that was that was good. And then the other focus I had this morning was technique. Um, so I wasn't really doing any hard swimming. Uh, it was just, you know, looking at what you're doing, look at some video clips of what really good technique looks like and try to um, make those changes that you've wanted to do for some time. So try to develop good habits habits and, and, and try some of those things you wanted to do for quite some time and remove all expectations with regards to speed uh, and, and just be a bit rational about it because everybody's swimming is going to absolutely suck unless they've got a home pool um, or they've been somewhere in the world where you have been able to swim everybody is going to be t- have taken you know two to three to four steps back with their swimming so this morning um, I was probably between five and ten seconds per hundred slower than yeah. what I would be at the same effort when I'm swim fit. One other thing as well is uh, less uh, less time in sessions, maybe more sessions. Mm. You know, like if you you're normally swimming an hour, like an hour and a half, let's say you're doing long swims, that's your regular routine. Get in, just do some half an hours. Yeah, you know, get you want to just you know more sessions of less time, but not overloading. But like if you swim three times a week at an hour to an hour and a half. Get and do four sessions at half an hour, just you know, before you, because you've got to readapt. And mm. this is the problem with injuries right now. A lot of people are getting injured because they're coming back with endurance too long or intensity too high. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, I only did. I normally do about three and a half k per session, and this morning I did two point six, and that was enough for me. <laughs> My arm, yeah, I wasn't physically tired, but my arms were uh, and shoulders were getting were they'd had enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Good to be back in the water, though. Good to be back in the water. Good to get that chlorine in your hair again. <laughs> you know, all good times. Uh, okay, John Bo, let's do a patron. We've got a new patron. Stuart Milne, he's been, in, he's been a patron before. Is this a new Stuart Milne? Uh, I think it's a new Stuart Milne. Okay, well, he lives in Glasgow, Scotland. Do a Scottish, Scottish, Scottish. Hi, laddie. Hi, laddie. Hi, laddie. Um, started triathlon in 2004 and followed a six-year plan building to Ironman Austria in 2010. I currently completed seven Ironman, none of them fast, some very slow. Aimed to do 12 Ironman to enter the legacy program, married with two children, walk, work as a consultant anaesthetist at the NHS. I imagine you're doing a lot of work right now. Mm, I bet you are too. We had somebody else from Scotland either last week or the week before, and I think our summary of Scotland was we knew about the Loch Ness Monster. Yep, and they were killed. Um, and Glasgow, the Glasgow Kiss, I think it was. It's oh, a headbutt, isn't it? Yep, and then and there's lots of oil rigs. I think. In Scotland, the, the, the soccer teams, the... Rangers and the Celtics. Yep, yep. Yep, um, so if you're into football... Oh, no, that's right, you knew oil rigs, that's uh, right, it was yep, oil rigs. oil rigs. Yep. Uh, they don't want to be a part of England, or they do, they're very confused about it. <laughs> the, the, the UK, they're, they're very confused about it, because they had a referendum, they decided to stay with it, but now they're, they're, they're COVID <laughs> and, and uh, Brexit, they're not... No, it's a confusing time to be Scottish. So okay. what we got for Stuart Milne then? Stuart Milne? I thought Stuart Milne was Age of Danger. But it must be a different Stuart Milne. We must have two Stuart Milne listeners. Okay. No, no. Uh, okay, what do you reckon, John? Um, will you, uh, I'll go to the old... Uh, okay. Uh, Madness Method. Madness Method. Milne. Madness Method Milne. Yes. Okay. Yes. 
Gone was a triple M there. And then we've got Hamish Wall. He lives around the corner from John, but John <laughs> has never met him. This is a good one because um, I've been organising a bunch of Zwift rides and, and sort of put it out to the local community if you want to join in. Um, yep. I'll invite you along. Hamish put his hand up. So he's been on a bunch of rides now. He was also did the uh, London PRL uh, oh, wow. last week. So he did the long one? Did the, did the big, big Daddy and he did, I'm pretty sure he did the the uber pretzel we did that as well and he's also signed up for my camp for the length of south island and and when uh, when he came through as a patron i said bloody hell you live around the corner from me <laughs> yeah he's on st martin's road i think oh wow well, yeah, was an old neighbor of mine as well then. yeah it's literally around the corner and, I thought, oh, <laughs> and when you're going through lockdown you can't go and meet people so i haven't met, met hamish but i've met him online plenty of times okay i've got one yeah. which you maybe have to veto hamish i never hit the wall <laughs> That's kind of ironic because I think he might have hit the wall on the weekend. He was with our group for a while. Uh, but we're going with it. Hamish, I never hit the Never wall. hit the. Yep. I never hit the. There we go. Great. I never hit the wall. You love your work. That's good. And you do the pause. You go, Hamish, I never hit the wall. Okay, <laughs> Hamish, there's your nickname. Thanks. So thank you to Stuart and Hamish for becoming his patrons of the show and all the people who are patrons of the show. It really helps us. It's really cool that new people are jumping on board at this time. Uh, just If you want to become a patron, go to www.iamtalk.me. It's pretty obvious on the website. Go through that process and we give you a gift. Go on a draw to win a trip to Kona sometime when they run the race. Um, and that's pretty cool. If you want some coaching, coachjohnnewson.com is the place to go. If you want to check out my podcast, I released my latest podcast yesterday with a legend in fitness by name of Lisa Osborne, uh, bevanjamesisles.com, other content, edge group of the week, cool websites, other feedback, iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. What's Start sending through some age groupers of the week, people, please. Well, there's no racing, John. I know, but from last season. <laughs> okay. Get it through. Okay. I like hearing about age groupers P-R-L. of the week. Well, so there's two things that I thought, what's Bevan going to ask me about? What have I been up to? Yeah. And, uh, what's your goss? Well, yeah. And, and I thought Bevan might ask me, what was one of the first things you did once our restrictions sort of went to the next level? Okay. Went and took the kids, uh, went and got fish and chips. Oh, did <laughs> supported you? the local chippy. We haven't done the takeaway went yet. Went down and got the fish and chips. And, uh, it's great. It's I do, oh, hey, I'm partial. The, the only takeaway Joe and I do is probably four times a year we will get fish and chips. That's enough, isn't it? Once you've had it, you go, I felt grim the rest of the day. Oh, and the problem with takeaway, do you have this problem with takeaway, John? If you're going to do it, you're going to do it. Yeah. So I go hot dog, fish, donut, chips. Didn't go quite that long, but uh, yeah. I was pretty full and pretty ill for the rest of the day. But it was good while I had it. Oh, do you have your crunchy fight at the end? Sorry? So when I was a kid, what we'd do is you, no one was allowed to eat the crunchies. Oh, right, yeah. You know, yep. so the crunchies are just the small little chips at the mm-hmm. bottom. And, and our Mr. Um, Mr. Yee, I think his name, did our fish and chips. It, it was always an Asian in New Zealand. Yeah. Always Asians owned the fish and chip shop. Mr. Yee, he had the fish and chip shop, and uh, he'd do great crunchies. And so when my family, it was always Friday night fish and chips in the Isles yep. household, and uh, so I'd run down to the fish and chip shop. Mum would time trial me, run back. And then you'd eat the fish, but no one was allowed to eat crunchies. Okay. And at the end, crunchy fight. Right. And you'll fight for the crunchies. <laughs> yeah, that's a tradition. So we had fish and chips. And then, uh, as I've said a couple of times, did the London PRL at the weekend. I yeah. led the ride, which was ended up being a group ride for Triathlon New Zealand. It was really cool. We had... Uh, I think maybe at least 60 or so on the actual group starting and there was a bunch of other people that, that joined but, in. But I saw your post, only about four made it to the finish. Well, no, more made it to the finish. Only four or five others made it with me to the finish. Oh, okay. And uh, So wait a second, once you're finished, is it like a normal group ride where you wait around or you're like, see you later? No, it's just see you later. See you later. So, you know. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't without some uh, challenges because I was leading the group and in terms of you know the leader yep. not leading the, the group on the, the road the, the organizer. whole time. But Did you lead the group bit? 
I did, but then about a third of the way in, Swift crashed on me. I was oh, like, no. oh, no. Luckily, I had my son Thomas in there, and he said, oh, you can restart, Tom, Dad, and you press resume, and you can go back to the same spot where you crashed out of, which was, which was great. And how long did it take you to figure out? Well, I was back on, and it was probably only... 20 seconds or so. Oh, okay. Maybe 30. But then it had to hammer to get back onto the group. And at that stage, then this is going to be confusing for some people. I was still on the course, but I wasn't following the, the, the right course. Um, so I was, yeah, I was, still, follow, I was still following the, the, the group around, and we were riding laps. So it was a, about a 15 kilometer lap in London, and you've got to do 11 laps. But on the last lap, to complete the course, which is called the London PRL, you had to make a couple of turns. And if you're riding the route, then it just does it for you. But because I'd exited and rejoined, then it didn't quite pick that up. Oh. And so I was having to pick U-turns. I had Tom navigating me through the streets of London trying Wait, to catch so you're up actually, to the others. You, you could turn your bike and stuff? You can, do, you can pull U-turns. and How do you do that? Just push it's a button. on a, yeah, the button, button on your computer or on the iPad. It's just oh, wow. to pull a U-turn. So I had to navigate my throat way through. So the cool thing was you get a badge for 100 miles. Tick that box, yep. but you also get badge for completing routes. Yeah, and I've had a route, and <laughs> and whilst I completed the distance and I did kind of complete the route, I didn't technically complete it, so I haven't got the badge for completing oh, the London no! <laughs> So I did the full course, did the 175 oh, k's. You uh, you know you're gonna are you a badge collector? Uh, I, I, yes and no. It's like I, I like seeing them, and if you if you're going. What the hell am I going to do this this week? Or I'll I'll go. Yep, I'll. That gives me it gives me an idea to go. Yeah, I'll go and do that one. Yep. But I'm not. You're not going to have to make sure you got it. the like the, the scout kid who had every badge ever. Not quite yet. Not no. quite yet. So that was uh, good. And I will say, for the listeners, there was about five left uh, at the end riding me, and I'm not even sure if, if half of them were listeners. There was one or two I think were. Uh, it was so nice having people pacing it evenly. We were just banging out these lap after lap. It was. Bit, you know, How long would you hold a lap front for? We were doing 27 minutes a lap. The fastest was just under No, 26. no, but how long are you each doing at the front? Oh, you just move around all over the place. Okay. Yeah. And we're just banging out these consistent laps, we're going up the climbs. Everybody was about the same pace. It was it was like being on a really well-organized group ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you if you were one of those five that was riding with me. I had a, a German, I think an Aussie, and a couple of Aussies, and a, one or two Americans and me. And you don't know the names? No. <laughs> Well, I can't. I've never met him before. One of them was Scotty. Uh, he did email me actually because I emailed him yesterday. Got to email him back. Come on, love. Go with Scotty. Scotty okay. too hottie. So, even what have you been up to? I'll find Scott's because it's a, it's a, it's like back to work, John. Yes. Back to early mornings and stupidly last night because what happens is when what what happens in my life, John? Scott Donaldson. Good work, Thank Scott you. Donaldson. You rock. Mm. Wasn't there, isn't there a director? No, that's Roger. And his son was, what was his son's name? The sprinter. Chris Donaldson. He now works for the Black Caps. So, uh, so back to work. And normally our riders come home from the gym after I taught, I taught body attack for the first time in a month, in seven weeks. <laughs> Hopefully you're preparing for that. Well, I haven't lost fitness. That's a good thing. Yeah. But the problem when you, when you stand in front of a group of people and you're trying to motivate them, and, and body attack for those who don't know is a pretty intense kind of plyometric hour workout. Oh, it's 45 minutes actually. Um, and when you when you have a break, when you come back, you have to kill them. <laughs> yeah. You, you just have to remind them of why it's important to be there. Yeah. You know, you can't, you know, everyone's been saying, oh, let people kind of ease back. And you say it. But mm. as a leader, you've got to go up and you've got to go, no, nah, I'm, I'm not mm. letting you off the hook. And so I, I, I like, I, Destroyed myself last night, and I was KO'd. <laughs> and then I got home. It was about seven. 
Joe gave you a bit of 10 loving care. Oh, yeah, big time. And that was yeah. 10 past seven. <laughs> and then um, watched the news. And then we've been watching a series on Netflix called Dead to Me. So we watched one of those. And it was about 8.30. And we normally go to bed about 8.39. So it's normally mm. time. And then I remember, wait a second, Michael Jordan's on. I was about to say, what are you doing watching that? Well, I ended up staying up to about 11 o'clock watching Michael Jordan. So mm. when the alarm went off this morning, <laughs> oh, so we taught a sprint class this morning. So, but but you know what? Back into it, it's just nice to be back to life, isn't it? What about your running group? Is that back? Well, no, John. We no. had to pull the plug. Did you? Yeah, it's, it's been a bit frustrating. So so basically, what happened was I'll tell the story because it's in my head. So <laughs> so it, it, it was very confusing around if we could be running what we do. So just to clarify, New Zealand's gone from out. We've got four levels. We've gone from level. Three, three which level, is very much like a lockdown. Yep, to level two. Which a lot of things have opened. So things like restaurants, you can have 100 people in a restaurant. The gym, I talked to 80 people in a room last night. So mm. gyms are open. So lots of things opened. Sport is in this really murky water. So Sports New Zealand and Sports Canterbury said we can't do what we do. Mm. But then we don't necessarily come into sport. We're more, yeah. of a, we're more of a business product. So then Exercise New Zealand, last week, we rang them and they said, oh no, you guys can do what you do. Because if you're like a restaurant, you know, you, mm. if you have, you, it has to be under 100, but if you can do social distancing and all those things, and we're like, okay, well, it was a bit confusing. So I ended up ringing the CEO of Sports uh, Exercise New Zealand. At that time, he was like, no, nope, you, you, you definitely can because you are like a restaurant. So we're like, sweet. So we go ahead, open up, Saturday goes well, Monday goes well. And then on Monday, someone emails us, are you sure? And so we went and rechecked what it was and if you read the document you can take it any way you want exactly you know you can really can take it any way you want so I thought I'll ring the CEO again so I rang Richard again and he said no you're screwed they've changed it Mm. and what they've done is they've said outdoor exercise can only have 10 people Mm. and the reason out there saying this is because an outdoor exercise you don't know you might know your people so you can contact trace your people, but you don't know who they'll get in contact. Like with the running group, if they run mm. past other runners, you can't contact trace those people. Mm. Which is a little bit frustrating, John. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a little bit frustrating, but hey, you got to stick to the rules. But you go to a mall right now, John. Yeah. They have no contact tracing at a mall. You don't get contact traced as you go onto the mall. So mm. it's a little bit frustrating because... The, now, I get contact sport. Mm. You know, I get you know rugby right now. That I get it. But... Yeah, so it's murky, but you've got to stick to the rules. So we're, exactly. we're hopeful in two weeks we'll be back, but mm. it was definitely frustrating, John. It was definitely. You said it was a little bit strange. And unfortunately for Joe, because Joe does all the admin side of it, she'd done all this work to get us back up and running, and to mm. close it off takes a lot of shit. So she's been working, poor girl's been working like a beast. So um, so we're going away this weekend. <laughs> One days. more week. This time next week, there's going to be another announcement. Hopefully. Yeah, but, the, but the, Richard was saying he thinks it will only be 20 people, which will still be a bit limiting for us. Mm. Uh, they're saying they're hoping by 1st of June which is two weeks uh, that all sport will be back mm. I, I wish that they could say there could be some categories of sport so like you know sports where you're going to be touching people mm. definitely maybe 20 people but sports like triathlon mm. and running and you know activities where you can keep you know you consciously kind of keep apart from people but you know as I said to Joe yesterday it sucks it's a pain in the ass but a lot of people are a lot worse off than we are. Exactly. So, you know, like it's it's a it's a bump in the road for us. It's not the end of the world. Um, other than that, John, what was the first thing I did? Was visit what did you do with your last last week? You were saying you're going to have a big catch up with all your mates. Oh, that and was I said leave the kids at home. Well, we did we did break the rule, John. We went yeah. eleven. I know, oh. I know. I, I'm, don't ring the government, guys. We did break the rule. <laughs> I think a lot of people broke the rule. Yeah. It was interesting in my neighbourhood. You could see lots of people. Like I'm pretty sure some neighbours next door had more than eleven, John. Yes. It's hard when you've got kids, but what do you do? Leave one kid at home? Yeah. 
<laughs> old enough. Tell you what, it was bloody awesome. But we got really, we're very lucky. We got, we got great friends, and we got lots of great friends and lots of kind of groups. Um, but we just had a couple of things, and it was just, you know, you and we've done lots of zooms. We've been really good at catching up with mates on Zoom. Nothing beats playing cards, having laughs. You know, we had the Barbie on. It was just a so much fun having your mates around. There you go. You know, we hope you guys are all good wherever you are in the world, and hopefully you've got some light at the end of the tunnel. Like we have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, New Zealand, it's been good for us. So hopefully you guys uh, are heading in the right direction. John, now just interesting before the wrap up. Yep. Uh, one of our listeners, a guy by the name Mike Hooper, he lives in Singapore. I was talking to him the other day. And uh, he was saying, and in my email response to him, so I caught up on Skype and then I emailed him something afterwards, which is kind of sorting out something we're doing together. And I emailed him, Kia kaha. Mm. And he wrote back and he said, is that what you say at the end of the show? He always thought it was, I'm Russ, I'm Endo. Train hard, train smart, kick ass. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not kick, kick ass. ass. Yeah. Kick ass. So he was like, oh, what's all this about? So no, it's not kick ass if you think it's kick ass. It's kia kaha, which stands in the Māori language within New Zealand, represents stand tall, which is kind of like a mana thing. Mana kind of, how would you say mana? It's kind of mana's kind of aura, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's kind of someone who's got a lot of kind of aura and credibility as someone who has mana. So stand tall is kind of like in a challenge, stand up to it. So that's what kia kaha represents. So John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.